You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Wherever nature places a person on this spectrum, they're still just as much a bearer of God's image. A person may identify as male, female, neither, or both. They're still fully human. And whether your orientation is to be attracted to, to men, to women, to neither, or both, you are still fully human and still bearing the image of God. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 281 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, and justice. Our title is Calling Good Evil Part 5, and our feature text Text is Luke 6, 43-44. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Now, I initially thought that uh, this series would have only, would only have like two parts. And so whether you're still tracking with me or whether you joined in the middle and went back and caught up, I, I'm so glad you're here. This week we're going to be wrapping up this series and we're going to be considering the last two passages that, that some Christians use to harm the uh, LGBT community and their allies. The first one is in the New Testament book of Jude. So let's look at that first. Jude 7 and 8. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, like the angels, they committed fornication and indulged in unnatural lusts, and in eternal fire they paid the penalty, a warning for all. In the same way, these deluded dreamers continue to defile their bodies, flout authority, and insult celestial beings. So just recently, a, a, a non-affirming Christian uh, brought up this passage in a conversation we were having. And you see, the reason is because in the New King James Version, Part of this passage reads, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. The person I was speaking with wanted to convince me that that, that strange flesh referred to sexual activity with someone of the same sex. But when we look at the text more closely, nothing could be further from the context and the language of this passage. Now, in this series, we establish that the Sodom and Gomorrah story in Genesis, it doesn't address generic same-sex activity. And if you want more information on that, go back to Calling Good Evil Part 2. I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site. But more than that, this passage, it's not only referring to the Sodom story in Genesis 19, but also to the less told story in Genesis 6, where angels initiate sexual activity with humans. Strange flesh isn't about sex between same-sex humans. It's about sex between, uh, It's actually, it's not about sex between sameness at all, not even same-sex humans. It's not even about sex between humans and humans. It's about sex across an 
utter difference in the text, which is sex between humans and, and cosmic beings. Again, this is Matthew Vines, and he explains, this is from uh, one of the voices that we're amplifying in this series, God and the Gay Christian, the Biblical Case in Support of Same-Sex Relationships, page 69. The other verse, Jude 7, is more frequently cited by non-affirming Christians as a potential reference to same-sex behavior. There we read that people of Sodom and Gomorrah indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, New American Standard Bible. The phrase strange flesh is variously translated as perversion, unnatural desire, and other flesh, which some argue is a reference to same-sex relations. But the Greek phrase used in Jude 7 is sarkos heteros, literally other or different flesh. Hetero, of course, is the prefix for words like heterosexuality, not homosexuality. Far from arguing that men of Sodom pursued flesh too similar to their own, Jude indicts them for pursuing flesh that was too different. In fact, the phrase strange flesh refers to the attempted rape of angels instead of humans. Jude 6 supports that connection by comparing Sodom's transgression with the unusual sins described in Genesis 6. In that chapter, sons of God, interpreted by many to be angels, mated with human women, arousing God's ire before the flood. And the context of this passage, too, in Jude, it confirms this reading. The very next verse addresses an insult to uh, uh, celestial beings. So that that concludes our look at, at, at New Testament passages, the, the four that we looked at in the New Testament in this series. And before we end, I want to go back, as I promised, and look at Genesis 1. So let's do that uh, uh, right now. Our final passage in this series is from the Hebrew origin story in, in Genesis 1. Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And this passage too often is interpreted through uh, a gender binary lens, and therefore it's it's used against those uh, with a same-sex orientation or or against those who are even transgender or non-binary or non or gender non-conforming. Last year, Asher O'Callaghan beautifully shared a more inclusive reading of this passage. And, and it was um, October 18, 2018 on his Facebook page. I'll put a link to it in the east side as well. But these are Asher's words. In the beginning, God created night and day. But have you ever seen a sunset? Well, trans and non-binary people are kind of like that. Gorgeous, full of a hundred shades of color you can't see in plain daylight or during the night. In the beginning, God created land and sea. But have you ever seen a beach? Well, a trans or non-binary person, people are kind of like that. Beautiful, a balanced oasis that's not quite like the ocean nor quite like the land. In the beginning, God created birds of the air and fish of the sea. But have you ever seen flying fish or a duck or a puffin that swims and flies? 
spends lots of time in the water and on land. Well, trans and non-binary people are kind of like that, full of life, a creative combination, combination of characteristics that blows people's minds. In the beginning, God also created male and female in God's own image. God created them. God in the same so in the same way that God created realities in between, outside of, and beyond night and day, land and sea, fish and birds. So God also created people <clears throat> with genders beyond male and female, trans and non-binary and agender and intersex. God created us, all different sorts of people for all different sorts of relationships, created from love to love and be loved. In God's image, we live. God is still creating you. You are no less beautiful and wild than a sunset or a beach or a puffin. You are loved and you have a place here. I, I think those are beautiful words. I, I, I too believe the creation story can also be understood in a way that not only affirms transgender and non-binary or intersex people, but also affirms people with same-sex orientations. This story is about beginnings, and this story speaks of a God who, who began the human race by creating male and female together in the image of God. And think of these categories not as, as an either-or, but as a spectrum with what we define as male at one end and what we define finest female on the other. And there's an entire spectrum in between the two. Could the image of God be the entire spectrum of humanity regardless of where any one individual identifies on a scale between male and female? The image of God is the male-female spectrum. And when we speak of a person's sex, we're describing their bodies in terms of characteristics that we define as male, female, neither, or, or both. Whenever, na wherever nature places a person on this spectrum, whatever location they, they land on on this spectrum uh, that nature places them on, they're still just as much a bearer of God's image. And with gender identity, a person may identify as male, female, neither, or both. They're still fully human. And whether your orientation is to be attracted to, to men, to women, to neither, or both, you are still fully human and still bearing the image of God. There are so many possible combinations. You could, for example, understand your body as male, yet identify your gender closer to the female end of the, the spectrum, have an androgynous gender expression, and be attracted to men. Whichever combination, whether in sex, gender identity, gender expression, or, or sexual attraction and orientation, whatever you, you identify as, you are still part of the human family and a bearer of the image of God. You are as much a reflection of that uh, original Hebrew story as anyone else. You are not other. And this means that God is much more diverse than we may have assumed, and humanity as well, bearing God's image, image is, is much more diverse than we may have assumed as well. And this beauty, this diversity, this way of seeing humanity and the divine, it's reflected in, in, in two elements from the Jewish faith tradition. This is a Jewish prayer that was first introduced to me 
by my my dear friend, Dr. Keisha McKenzie, and I'll put a link in, in the e-site where you can find out more about her. But this prayer states, Blessed are you, Lord, King of the universe, for you vary the forms of your creatures. And in the, in the Jewish proverb, which another dear friend of mine, Deneen Akers, I'll put a link to the work that she's doing right now in, in this week's e-site. But she first introduced me to this Jewish proverb, Before every person, there walks an angel announcing Behold the image of God. So, so in conclusion to this entire series, I, I want to end this series with a passage from, from Brownson's work on the one flesh language of Adam and Eve in the Genesis story. And, and again, Brownson's one of the, the voices that we've been, been amplifying here. This is from Bible Gender Sexuality, Reframing the Church's Debate on Same-Sex Relationships, page uh, 107. As I have already observed, the language of one flesh is the language of kinship. When the man meets the woman in Genesis 2.23, he declares, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. In Genesis 29.14, Laban recognizes his kinship bond to Jacob and says, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. In 2 Samuel 5.1, as the tribes of Israel moved to make David their king, they declared to him, look, we are your bone and flesh. Similar examples can be found in Judges 9.2, 2 Samuel 9.12, 1 Chronicles 11.1. In all these cases, gender distinctions play no role. The focus is entirely on kinship, shared culture, experience, and identity. The same focus that I argued is present in Genesis 2. Furthermore, the use of the word cling used in Genesis 2.24 to describe the relationship of the man and the woman does not carry sexual connotations in any other usage, but reflects the desire for association and connection that is characteristic of all kinship. And 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 again, this is that's page 107. There's so much more that I wish I had sp- the space in this series to share from Bronson's work, from Matthew Vines' work, and from so many others, especially on, on their work on the Genesis narratives. But if, again, if you're interested in a more holistic uh, understanding of, of the Hebrew Genesis stories, Brownson's work is well worth uh, your time in this section of his book. But, but this Hebrew origin story, again, it points to human kinship. It's the foundational solidarity of the human family, of which we all, every single one of us, are a a part. And and in a more specific way, it also points to to any of the numberless committed, consensual, loving relationships between human beings, whether they be same-sex or otherwise. The story is about kinship. It's about love. And any place that we find genuine love, we find the image of God. For God is love. First John 4, 8. Remember, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. Luke 6, 43-44. Heart group application this week. As we continue our work toward creating safe places in our society for people who daily face marginalization, uh, this work is desperately needed within our 
faith communities as well. So this week, I'm I'm encouraging both our, our readers and our listeners, as well as our heart groups, to volunteer some time with an organization called Church Clarity. And this is from Church Clarity's own website. Church Clarity was born out of a genuine desire to address a very simple yet profoundly impactful shortcoming of the church. And what what is that harmful shortcoming? It's ambiguity. They're not asking for policy change. They're simply asking for churches to be clear. Church Clarity is a it's a crowdsourced database of Christian congregations uh, that are scored by by a team of volunteers based on how easy it is to find a church's actively enforced policy regarding LGBT uh, people online. And and we they they current they they currently um, they're evaluating church websites. For, for policies that impact LGBTQ plus people and also women in leadership. Now, you can find out more about Church Clarity on their website. I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site as well. But this week, what I'm asking you to do um, is volunteer uh, some time for, for Church Clarity. Volunteer is one of their scorers. It's not difficult, and, and they'll walk you through how to do it. Number two, recommend some new communities that, that you're familiar with for volunteers to score. And then share with your heart group, uh, lastly, what you've learned from your experience experience and how how you feel like you you actually made a difference. Thank you to each one of you who who checked in with us this week. Um, And if you've been with us through this entire five-part series, I want to say a special thank you to you. I am so glad you're on this journey with us. Where you are today, right now, choose to live in love, in compassion, take action, and live in justice. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. (music) 